Welcome to the Boss Podcast, the best of social selling. Your host, Mark McGinnis, Australia's number one social seller, author of Tactical Pipeline Growth and B2B Sales Trainer, brings you expert opinion, tactics, and discussion to help you get more out of your time on social. As a longtime fan and connection of Bryn Tillman's, I was delighted to have her on the show for her to share her LinkedIn knowledge. Bryn's approach to LinkedIn and social selling have been instrumental in helping me get my consulting business off the ground from way back in 2015. As a result, I have a lot of respect for both Bryn and her social selling methods. While Bryn and I have previously collaborated on some content, it's been quite some time since we shared any communication of value. Because it's been such a long time, I had actually forgotten how good and just how smart Bryn's outreach strategies are for the average person trying to sell through LinkedIn. I'm reminded of that classic Einstein saying, make things as simple as possible, but no simpler. I think this is exactly what Bryn's achieved with a proven approach to social selling. It's simple and yet effective. Once we get into our stride on this conversation, I'd ask you to pay particular attention as Bryn walks us through her very best referral strategies in detail and step by step. And she even includes exactly what to do and say in the outreach examples. It's such a high-quality piece of content, it's almost an entire LinkedIn course on its own. For those of you who continue to send messages to me on LinkedIn, thank you very much. It's great to hear that you're able to use this podcast as a key to helping you unlock your social prospecting. And if you're keen to learn more or would just like to say hello, please do look me up on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to share a message or two. I'm sure you'll find Bryn's strategies to be very valuable. Thanks for listening to the Boss Podcast. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Boss Podcast, the podcast that helps you become better at using social for sales and lead generation. Today, we have another in what we call our expert series. This is where we bring in an expert to tell us about a particular aspect of the social space or for them to share their social strategies. In order for us to do this, we need an expert. And today's expert is very much a boss, the very best of social selling. And I'm delighted to be joined today all the way from Philadelphia by Bryn Tillman. Hello, Bryn. Oh, hi, Mark. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, well, I'm very excited to have you on. You've been an absolute foundation in social selling across the planet. And I don't think there's anybody better to have the boss tag, best of social selling, than you. So I'm really delighted to have you on. It's quite an honor. So, Bryn, you're the CEO of Social Sales Link, the author of the LinkedIn sales book, host the Sales Expert channel, plus an advisor to LinkedIn itself. Have I missed anything there? No, I'm actually one of the hosts, not the host of Sales Experts channel, but I'm thrilled to hold that title. Yeah, I've given you a free promotion there, haven't I? (laughs) (laughs) Great. So, can you expand on the introduction? Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what it is that you do and who you are? Yeah, thank you so much. So I've been in sales and sales training for most of my career. And then about 10 years ago, I found this, what I called LinkedIn for at least three months and recognized it solved a problem for me. And the problem was I loved sales. I loved being in front of clients. I loved client referrals. I hated cold calling. And I had a a situation I recall very early on in my career where I was sitting across from a client staring at his Rolodex. I don't know if your listeners still have a Rolodex or some of them may not even know what one is. But 
his contacts, you know, in business card form and thinking if I could get my hands on that, I could find out who he knew, ask for introductions, and I'd be able to fill my pipeline without cold calling. And so I've always asked for referrals and my business grew that way, but it was never quite enough because you would ask for referrals and people would kind of shrug and say, I can't think of anyone right now. But if someone should ask for help, I'd be happy to refer you. When I saw LinkedIn for the first time, I recognized my problem. This is everything I prayed for, I wished for, because LinkedIn allows us to search and filter our connections connections. So it's literally looking through someone's Rolodex through filters to identify who they know that we want to meet. And now we have this opportunity to leverage that information to get client referrals, introductions, and permission to name drop. So when I saw that, I thought, I never want to do anything else in sales. This is all I want to focus on. At the time, I was a partner in a sales training company. And I went to my partner. I said, this is all I want to do. And she gave me a hug and she laughed. And she said, it's a fad. Come back when you're ready. And I'm almost seven years later. Well, there you go. And I must be honest, quite a few people have told me it's a fad. I should go back to some of those people and remind them about that conversation because it's been a fantastic tool for me as an individual and as a business. It's mm-hmm. certainly not a fan. It's interesting to me that you say, and I knew this, but I, I didn't actually register it, that you were a salesperson first and foremost because the way your systems and processes are very methodical and that makes me automatically think of you more of it, more as a marketer. Mm. I hope you don't take offense to that and I hope marketers don't take offense to that, but you're just so methodical with a lot of the things that you share. Well, thank you. You know, it's funny. So so a marketer, I am not. In fact, I have hired many a coach to help with some marketing and work with people today because marketing actually isn't my strength, but I am dyslexic. I was one of actually the first in the world to be diagnosed with that as I was in a study when I was pretty young, because my mother thought I was pretty smart and couldn't understand why I couldn't read, and recognized that I needed, and I had a lot of coaching and a lot of support, processes for me to function. So I couldn't do random because random got confusing. But if I had a process to follow, I could do that. And so my whole world works in processes because that's how I overcome the challenge of being dyslexic. So I appreciate that you've noticed that and, and I that's how I train and, and I teach. And I think whether you're dyslexic or not, having a process in place cures the problem of what should I be doing, which is the biggest question. You know, the biggest challenge is, you know, people are out there doing random acts of social. There's no rhyme or reason or consistency and they log in and they go down rabbit holes of things and, and there's no plan. And so I recognize even early on as a salesperson, if I did not have a plan and a process, I was setting myself up for failure. Yes, and I'm seeing this more and more when I speak to people who are very good at their social activity, that they have a clear strategy. They've got systems and processes. And if I think about myself, I'm actually ex-military. I was, in, I was a soldier at a very, very young age, 19 years old. So I didn't really have any kind of formal education or business education. And the thing that I took away from that was that... Anybody can become a soldier. Anybody can become a salesperson if they stick to the systems and processes and execute them very well. So there's, we're very similar, I think, in the way that we like to follow the, the rules in inverted brackets. I love that. So, um, Brent, doing some research 
for this conversation, before we get too far into it, there was a couple of things that I found that was really interesting. The first thing is that we've been connected on LinkedIn for almost five years to the day. So we connected in 2015 in May 31st. So as far as my LinkedIn connections go, that's a long time. I don't have a lot of people that I've been connected with for five years or more. And secondly, that your book, the LinkedIn sales book, was not only the first book that I bought to help me put some systems and processes around my own social selling, but it's selling on Amazon for twice the retail price. What would you like to say about that? It's crazy because you can still buy it new for the retail price. <laughs> uh, unless it's a signed copy, I don't know. No, I, I, Amazon has it's still new on Amazon for a pretty reasonable price. But I appreciate that someone feels like it's twice the value than they pay. <laughs> so it's it's on Amazon secondhand for seventy dollars and sixty seven cents. So, well, God bless the markets. <laughs> I'm assuming the book's still available, is it? It is. Yep. Dot info. Can you just repeat that again? Sorry. Yeah, LinkedInbook.info will redirect to Amazon. Okay. Cool. So let's get, I've got a couple of questions for you, and I've given you a couple in advance, but I'm, I'm going to start with one that I didn't pre warn you about. I hope you don't mind. No, I'm good. I lie. <laughs> so I was just reading this morning, actually, about some data from Gardner, and it was talking about. of people are suggesting that they're going to spend more time on LinkedIn or with social media as a result of the time they've spent in lockdown. So they've spent more time on on social whilst in lockdown. And this is one of the things that they're going to think they can continue to do post-isolation, post-lockdown. What's your thoughts around that? Have you seen much of a change or are you operating at such a high level that there's no change in it? Yeah, no, there's definitely been an amazing pivot in the direction I'm thrilled that it's going in. And I'm grateful and blessed that I've never been busier because everyone that would say, you know what, I'm a face-to-face person. I've been growing my business through relationships and networking meetings and, you know, all those things my whole life. I don't need LinkedIn. And they realize they're faced with the stay-at-home order, the quarantine. And you know, depending on where you were in the the world, it was two months, right? And we're still locked down as of today. June 5th is our open date. And then I, I think people aren't going to be in big groups for a very long time. And I think recognize that in order for us to do business, we need to start to embrace LinkedIn. And a lot of people were scrambling, you know, they've been on it. They've you know, they were doing these random acts of social, but no one really understood how to convert their content and connections to conversations. And they now knew it was vital in order for them to thrive, survive, let alone thrive in this new normal. Yeah, look, I 100% agree. And in fact, directly after this call, I have another Zoom meeting with some financial advisors in Thailand. And, And I'm convinced, well, they told me that their version of isolation has made them look at digital channels to try and start conversations, so exactly what you're talking about. And in fact, I think the proliferation of Zoom has made them probably reach out to somebody in Australia rather than looking out for someone local because they understand that a training process can be relatively effective or very effective using you know, those VC meeting options like Zoom. So I don't think I would have had that phone call lined up if it wasn't for the current situation, as bad as it is. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting that you talk about virtual training. I don't know how much I'm going to go back to classroom training. I mean, obviously, if my clients want it, I'll do it. 
But I have actually found using Zoom and breakout rooms for discussions has been incredibly powerful, very successful. And I'm actually seeing a higher level of engagement with folks in collaboration in some of these breakout rooms than I ever did when we separated people physically, you know, in physical locations. As a, a leader of a Zoom meeting, you can hop between rooms and listen to what they're talking about. And what they're doing, but we've had great success training virtually. And although I love face to face, I actually think that my business will primarily be virtual training moving forward. Yep, I, I I completely agree. I'm training some Australian businesses here, and we're doing exactly the same thing. And the, the breakout rooms in Zoom is is incredible, and the fact that people can just tune in wherever. I've got people in their car, so we're allowed to travel here in Australia. I've got people in their car joining into sessions through Zoom and interacting as if they were sitting in the classroom. You know, that's fantastic. I think that's a really good step forward. So, Bryn, my, my first real question for you is we've just spoken that a lot of people are try, currently waking up to the power of social. For those who are sitting on the fence with social and not quite all in, could you share with some sort of the results that you've been able to achieve Yeah, I mean, I can share case study after case study after case study. But the bottom line is I talk social. I really talk LinkedIn. I barely use Twitter. Facebook is personal. I think I have an Instagram because my kids do. But LinkedIn is where I invest my time. And social selling for me is really the LinkedIn world. And so the people that are on the fence about LinkedIn, the first thing I'd say is where are your prospects and clients hanging out? Are they on LinkedIn? So let's think about it even in the real world. Like you'd go to a a trade show or an industry show because your people are hanging out there. You need on social to find out where are your people hanging out. And if you're in B2B, business to business, or even business to consumer, like you talked about financial advisors, when you're selling into executives or high-level entrepreneurs or if they're here, then you need to be here. So I find it so interesting when people say, well, you know, social is just not my thing. It's not about it being your thing. Is it your prospect's thing? Is it your client's thing? And if they're hanging out there, you need to be there. Yeah, it's so true. And I continue to hear this as an objection to using LinkedIn. And and some of these people are more than comfortable jumping in the car and driving for two hours to a location where they wouldn't live you know, to go and meet their customers, but they won't go and meet their customers on an online platform, which just seems a real roadblock to common sense. Well, and LinkedIn LinkedIn is even more than just a, a social platform. I mean, it's a database, right? It's an opportunity for you to search and filter and identify your target market by location, by title, by industry. If you have a sales navigator account by company size, I mean, there's just so many opportunities to not just build a list now, which you can build a list. I know you could probably go to like Hoover's and Dun & Bradstreet lists and all those things. You could build lists. But what you get with LinkedIn that you don't get with any other database in the entire world is you can map a pathway from your existing connections to your targeted buyers. You can see your social proximity, the people that you want to be in front of. And there's no other platform in the world that allows us to do it this way. 
So that's where, in my opinion, the magic truly lies, right? So I want to get into ABC company and I want to get in front of the chief marketing officer. I can go into LinkedIn and say, oh, look, I have seven shared connections. Three of them I don't remember. Two of them I don't like. But these two are people I know really well. I think I'm going to reach out to them and see how well they know that CMO that I want to get in front of. And I can talk about that process easily. But the point is we can we can map out our social proximity. Maybe we don't have a direct connection to the CMO, but we might to the director of marketing. And so it might be a little bit of a lower hanging fruit, but we can start there, build rapport, build a relationship and work our way up. Yep. And I can see how you're leveraging your old school and inverted brackets, you know, referral strategies, Yeah. Um, you know, here in on social. I think that's fantastic. A lot of people don't, don't see these opportunities, even though they're right there. Yeah. I mean, that's where I started way before I was engaging and sharing content. I was leveraging the Rolodex of LinkedIn. I mean, that's really because I was in sales. I wasn't in marketing. Yeah. I started sort of in the an area that I don't even think LinkedIn at that time was aware they could do. It was completely pre-sales navigator. It was still just a recruiter platform and a job-seeking platform. And I recognized really quickly how we could start to leverage this for business development. And I had a lot of really good opportunities along the way to learn and grow and create an incredible program I couldn't have done. I was. I felt like I was always in the right place at the right time and very lucky. And so I really got to build a program early on on how to truly leverage LinkedIn in your existing network. After I was able to do that through a lot of knowledge from the Challenger sale and other books that had come out, I was really able to create that thought leadership side of things. But that was secondary. The, the thought leadership piece? Yeah, the thought leadership content and the way that I do that was secondary in my training. I really started with the connections and warm market and referrals. Yeah. And one of the key things I think you've said over the last couple of minutes was really that you're only on LinkedIn. You know, you're not a social media expert. I mean, you're very, very, you are an expert when it comes to LinkedIn, but you know, you're not spending all of your time on Instagram or Facebook or you very much treat LinkedIn as a sales and a business tool. I'm assuming that's what I'm reading between the lines there. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I'm on Facebook for friends and family. I wouldn't even know where to begin to use Facebook for sales. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I was talking to Cynthia Barnes recently and she said exactly the same thing. So, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about meeting your customers where they are or your target market where they are and just learning to use the platform rather than having this mindset of, oh, I'm not on social media. You know, I I think you you can be on you know, using LinkedIn for business outcomes and still not be a social media person. I think a lot of people miss that point. Yeah, that's very true. So you must train lots and lots of people, Bryn, over time, I would imagine. Um, do you have a, an example with some sort of financial examples that you're happy to share? Maybe you can change some names if it's conflict. One of my very early on successes was a benefits company. And um, there was a lot of turmoil in how benefits were, how the law around benefits and how we were able, how they were able to monetize. And so it was just upside down and it was sort of a free for all and people started to make way less money for existing work. That's really the bottom line. 
So even if they just maintained their clients, they'd make half during because of the way things were positioned. So they needed to double their clients just to be flush. And they were not, not alone. All their competitors were out there doing the same thing. So all of the head of HR, human resources, that was their target market. That's who they had to have conversations with or some chief financial officers were bombarded with, you know, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 emails and 10 phone calls every single day. And so there was no way to break through that noise at the time, or they thought there was no way to break through that noise. And they'd been in this industry for a long time and had some really great clients. So, you know, we did a few things. The first thing we did was we exported all of their connections, um, each of them, they were partners. And we went through all of them to see where people were and where they may have moved. And in that exercise, we identified 11 people that they had worked with over the years that were now new in a new place that they didn't know. They didn't know about that. They didn't know they had switched. I'm sure there was a notification of a job switch, but they didn't notice. So we started with those 11 people and we created a little bit of a outreach campaign, but they're people that already did business with them. So they were much more likely to take their call. So in that case, two of them brought them in and became clients of the 11. The next thing that we did was we buyer mapped out, right? So we looked at what are the titles of the people we want? What are the size companies? And at the time we didn't have sales navigator. So we literally had to make a list of companies and then click through and we recorded in a spreadsheet of the companies that were the right size company. And then we mapped out the social proximity. How do we get to all the right people that we need to get to? At the end of the day, we mapped out, and I, I should, wish I had it in front of me, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that you know, in a three-month period, they closed two more pieces of business. And that was worth, a, I mean, they, they were able to, from a financial standpoint, double, because they, they, they were much bigger companies. They were able to double the business which kept them from losing income. And then over time, they now, you know, I just actually talked to one of uh, the partners. They, she bought her partner out and um, they're thriving all through leveraging their existing connections for warm introductions. And um, there's no way they, she, they could have known, first of all, who switched jobs. There was just so many people and they wouldn't have even known how to find them, right? Because their email would have bounced. So without LinkedIn, we wouldn't know where they went, number one. Number two, we would never know the social proximity piece, which is how do I get introductions in there, which is how we broke through the noise, right? So we saw clients and networking partners and strategic alliances that were connected to either an influencer or a decision maker asked for introductions and or permission to name drop, which created more conversations with the right people. And, you know, they took the call because it was coming in at a high level of credibility versus all the cold calls that they were deleting every single day. Okay, fantastic. So, you know, and again, this leverage is right into your strength pre-LinkedIn, which is, you know, referrals in driving new conversations. Are you able to break down some of the strategies that you teach or that you use to help people start these conversations? Oh, sure. Let's, let's just do a client referral, for example. Sure. So before you speak with a client, after you've done great work for them, 
you want to mine their connections, right? So you can search and filter and identify. So we do search of all the titles and location, which you can do in the free. There are many more filters in Sales Navigator, but you can get a pretty good list of someone's connections in the free. So maybe you go through and they have 27 people that might be good targets for you. If we went to a client and we said, there are 27 people that you're connected to that I'd like introductions to, their head would explode. (laughs) (laughs) And so there are two ways to do this. And the set, I'm going to tell you both. Second one, however, even though it's going to be counterintuitive, much more successful for a few reasons. So the first one, well, let's start with the conversation. We go to the client and go, hey, Mark, it's been great working with you. I'm so glad we were able to solve X for you and that you guys have doubled in sales and whatever that looks like. I'm not sure if I've ever told you this, but the way that we've typically grown our business has been from referrals from our happy clients. We take the list of the client. We say, you know, Mr. Client. Mark, I'm not sure if you know this, but the way we've typically grown our business has been referrals from our happy clients. I noticed you're connected to 27 people on LinkedIn that I'd love to get in front of. I'm wondering if I can run these names by you. So every client's going to say, sure. Notice I didn't say, I'm wondering if you could make some introductions for me. What I said is, can I run these names by you? A lot less pressure. So we go through these 27 names. Of, of the 27 names, they only remember 15 of those people. Of the 15 people, Mark, you might say, you know what, these eight, these would be great for you. Fabulous. Now, the first thing I can do, which is what I don't typically do anymore, is would you be open to making some introductions on my behalf? That's the way I ran my business most of you know my LinkedIn training. The last two years, I've shifted permission to name drop. So now I'll say, Mark, thank you so much for the insights on these eight people. When I reach out to them, is it okay if I mention that we had this conversation and that you're my client? Sure. You're grateful that I'm not putting it on your plate to have to make introductions for me because you were worried in the back of your head that you'd have to go to work for me. I'm taking that off. I can also do that with a lot more numbers. You keep asking for eight introductions is overwhelming, but asking to name drop to eight people, you're fine with that, right? Like that's what our clients would be totally fine with that. So now I reach out and I say, Jane, Mark and I were chatting the other day and your name came up in our conversation. I've worked with Mark for the last two years doing X, Y, and Z. And he thought it made sense for me to reach out and introduce myself. I'd love to jump on a call, learn a little bit more about you and provide some insights around A, B, and C. Let's connect. Now, when we connect, thanks so much for accepting my connection, Jane. Really enjoyed talking with Mark the other day. He had some great things to say about you, whatever that really authentically really was in that conversation. Um, and, you know, he thought we should jump on a call, which I, get, I, I ask you that. I say, Mark, do you think it makes sense for me to reach out and introduce? Yes, these people are great for you. I'm authentically now saying this, right? So I'd love to jump on a call and fill you in in a little bit about what Mark and I were chatting about. Now we get on a call and we run it like this. Jane, thanks so much for taking my call. I'm really looking forward to sharing a little bit about what Mark and I were chatting about and why he thought we should connect. But before I get into that, do you have a chance to look at my profile and do you have any questions specifically for me? And I always want to start with that because they may have an agenda. They may say, oh my gosh, I saw you do X, Y, and Z, and I'm curious about, and then that's fine. 
go with their agenda, right? If they're like, no, you know, I just love Mark. And if he asks me to talk, if he thinks I should talk with someone, I'm talking with them, which is frequently what you get. Then you go into, well, awesome. So this is how we were able to help Mark. This was a challenge. This is how we were able to help him. When we were chatting a little bit and your name came up, he thought we might be able to help you a little bit with that. But I'm not going to go into my whole shtick right now, Jane. What I'd love to do is you know, just learn a little bit about where you are in your journey, and maybe I can provide some insights that could be helpful to you. So there's a moment of this is what I do, but I'm going to not make this a sales call. I'm going to turn this around. I'm just dropping that. We've helped Mark do this. And then I'm going to turn around and go, you know what, my goal here, maybe I could just provide some insights for you. And then you ask a little question. It's a little bit of a discovery question, but it's not like a leading discovery question that's going to help me close you. It's a little discovery question that can help me provide insights and value. Now, at the end of the phone call, with a few minutes left, you're going to, Jane, thank you so much for your time. Mark was right. I think this was a fabulous conversation. I'm so glad that we got to connect. You know, it sounds like you've got a little bit of challenges around X, Y, and Z. And I hope the insights I gave you around A, B, and C are really helpful. I'd love to get on another call with you and really talk about some ways that I think we can really help fix. Are you open to that? And then at that point, if I did my research on LinkedIn, I have two or three other names that I want to add to that next call. So sure, I'd love to. Excellent. Now, I hope you don't mind, but I did a little background on your company. and typically. We would invite people like Adam and Fred to a meeting like this. Would it be okay if I reach out to them, let them know we're chatting and maybe loop them in? Then they're impressed that you did that, right? And so that's the way that you convert these over from warm introductions. You came with a high level of credibility. Often they're not shopping. They won't shop someone else. And the next call might be back to Mark to say, you know what? I really enjoyed talking with Bryn. Tell me, you know, what was your experience with her? And the only way they're going to vet is going back to the person that referred. Yeah. I think this is a really great strategy for so many reasons. It's really easy. You know, a lot of social selling LinkedIn activity looks like it can be really complicated, but you've basically gone, here's a connecting request with somebody that we both know, used it as combined it with a referral, and you've started the conversation on the telephone very quickly. You know, there's, there's not a lot of relying on lots and lots of content. I mean, all these things do have a part to play, but in this instance, you have a need to do that. And, and I think the key thing for me is you're taking control of asking for the referral. So instead of saying, Mark, you know, who do you know that I'd be a good fit for? And then you sit down and wait while they give you one or two names, you know, who they think are a good fit for you, but may not be. In your example, you're saying, go and do the research and figure out who they're connected to that you know will be a good fit for you. And then take that list in the first instance and say, you know, these are the people that I'm interested in talking to. So you're going to be less likely to be sent to somebody that's not a perfect fit if you've done your homework. And they don't need to do anything other than just agree. So I think that's a really, really terrific strategy. Thanks. It's really working, like crazy working. So that's, um, that's a good strategy for everybody that's listening to try out. It's not very complicated. And it's pretty easy to do. And in your instance that you've shared just there, you've still got seven more people to ask. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, it, it, it's just amazing. It's almost endless, right? Like, and the first thing I would say, and one of the things we notice when we export our connections, and that's really where I start with people, 
because we could do searches for our first degree connections, but it's not always perfect. So I really want people to dive down into the people they're already connected to, you know, that they've been ignoring. But I also want them to go through their invoicing, QuickBooks, go through, look at every client in the last 10 years that you've worked with. And are you connected to them on LinkedIn? Because if they were happy with your work, they're potential referral opportunities. And it will remind them of you and you may actually reinvigorate a relationship that you've been ignoring. Yeah, absolutely. So this is just the shortest way to real conversations that I can think of. It's such a very, very good strategy. Well Well done to you. What do you think the future holds for LinkedIn and social selling more broadly? Like, So you're in that advisory role. We spoke about that. Well, I used that in my introduction. I didn't know that LinkedIn took advice from anybody. I thought they just made up their own mind. Yeah, I've actually been in that role for a really long time, and I feel really lucky. I think about maybe five years ago, there was a group of us that wrote an open letter to Jeff Weiner, who is CEO for another couple of weeks, but was the CEO, and we thought it was a great letter of why we loved LinkedIn and why we thought they were missing the boat on some things and that we're LinkedIn trainers and we're, you know, in front of people every single day and we've got some good ideas. And he responded publicly, which was a beautiful thing and connected us up pretty high with some of the product developers, including the head of sales navigator who has recently left and went to Salesforce, but really like we would get on calls and talk through things and we got to San Francisco and spent a day with him with some of the folks that were part of that open letter and a few other people. But it was a wonderful opportunity to really have a voice in the direction. Now, the piece that I'm doing now mostly is online, where I'll jump on a call. They use blue jeans instead of Zoom, which they're the only ones I know that use that. But I jump on a call with product team and I go through, sometimes it's user experience or which screens do I like better or, you know, new profile look. But sometimes it's, you know, we're, I was part of the, a large advisory group that got brought, we went into Empire State Building in New York. There might've been 50 people there, maybe more, and went through kind of, you know, what the groups are going to look like moving forward. And, and they listened a little bit, not a lot, but they're still listening. And then I was part of the events launch, um, which is now a year and a half ago, even though they just seem to be coming out now okay. publicly. So. I feel very fortunate to be able to give my advice. They don't listen a lot, but every once in a while, I'm shocked when they do. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that they're listening to somebody, and I think you're a perfect candidate for them to listen to. You've got my vote. If you need a proxy from me as a user, you can can take it. What what do you think the future might hold for LinkedIn going forward? What's your vision? You know, I have some alternative universes. I don't know if you're a Spider-Man fan, but Earth 1, Earth 2. So Earth One, Microsoft bought LinkedIn and they certainly didn't buy it for social. They bought it for database, right? Yes. They want that database. So how are they going to use that and integrate it into Microsoft is going to be very interesting. And I'm not 100% sure where that's going to go. But my guess is we'll start to see some integration, you know, struggling with PowerPoint. Hire an advisor. Here are 27 LinkedIn people that teach PowerPoint. I don't know, right? Like 
And I don't really know what that looks like, but I feel like there's going to be some deeper integration. I also think, though, the integration into CRM is going to keep getting better. So Salesforce and Microsoft Dynamics really deeply integrating into Sales Navigator in really cool ways. So I like that. Earth 2 is we become Facebook, right? And that's where I get nervous. I know we're running stories soon. I do love LinkedIn Live, but when it does roll out to everyone, it's going to get a little scary. I think there's going to be a lot of spam stuff out there. I think, you know, there's another generation that's coming up that's very kitschy centric, the YouTube generation. So I think it could get a little Facebooky. So Earth One is Microsoft takes over. Earth Two is the millennials take over. <laughs> uh, and and I you know and and I guess I'm shooting for Earth Three, which is this just gets deeper and deeper into really being a go-to place for business, and you know to continue to deepen and grow relationships with business. I'd love some. FaceTime like product where, you know, right now you can send a video message on your, your mobile device to someone on LinkedIn. It would be really cool if they had like a little FaceTime kind of thing. Like you can see someone's online and you can dial them up, right? Those are the things that I'd love to see that can help to deepen relationships. So those would be pretty cool. Okay. Interesting. So I've certainly. Well, I'm also scared about the Facebookification, if you like, of uh, of LinkedIn. But um, I'm sure we'll just have to make some changes to the way we do things and, and adapt as things happen. I want to bring this to a close, but there's something that I ask everybody that comes on to share, and that's if reps, reps and business development people, account managers, account executives, that sort of thing, are, are listening to this podcast and they take one thing away from our conversation today, what would you like that one thing for them to be? Uh, be purposeful and really think through your activity on LinkedIn. So don't just show up and kind of try to figure it out every single day. Make sure that you've got a profile that is attracts, teaches, and engages. Make sure your outreach, get in the shoes of the recipient of every message and say, if I got this, would I care? Right? Just be purposeful and think it through and don't spam. Stop pitching. Just be a resource and be of value. That's so many more than one thing, Mark. <laughs> it is, it is, but I, I, I completely think it's all very valuable. And we, we've, we're going to have to get you back on again because I know there's so many things that you could teach us about or talk to us about. You've got a, a, a fantastic history with LinkedIn, one that I'm certainly in awe of. We'll put the link to the book, the retail price book, in the show notes. How can people get in contact with you if they're interested? And you know, do you accept connections? You know, would you like people to follow you? Like, give me. I think you've got about sixty thousand followers, so your connections are probably already. Connect with me, and you have a really good message. I can remove someone that is not <laughs> add someone else. I'm really close to my max of of connections, and then I have followers. But please. It, so if you send a personal message, I will definitely consider it. I do it all the time. I am the only Bryn Tillman on LinkedIn to date. So that is the easiest way to find me. And, you know, let me know that you heard me here on the on the Boss Podcast. And I will send you some really good resources that can help you be better faster. 
very, very kind of you. And if, if my name was Bryn Tillman and I was on LinkedIn, I'd change it because there's no way I'd get any airtime. You, you, you just absolutely rule that platform. So in closing, if anybody out there is not connected to me and they're a salesperson in APAC, please feel free to send me a connection request telling me also that you heard us on the pod. If you like what you're hearing today, please tell your friends. Uh, feel free to subscribe if this was of value to you and share the news with your friends and colleagues. Bryn, thanks very much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. It's quite a late evening there in Philadelphia. Oh, it was worth staying up for you, Mark. Thank you very much. And listeners, we'll catch you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Please help others just like you find this podcast by spreading the word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you source your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Boss Podcast. Join us next time for even more tactics, discussion, and ideas to help you improve your social outreach.